You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend, Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. Andy Wizard of Whiskey himself, Mr. Shanglock. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Look, for all you listen today, I'm not an idiot. You heard that right, Golden Eagle fans. Starting this week's episode off with a thump, because... Uh, Jamie Arrington's out of town, and we're going to party. And uh, <laughs> Jason did not abandon yeah. us. He's here. He's here for the team. What's going on, Mr. Bailey? What's happening, brother? Um, greetings and salutations. You threw me off my game there a little bit. <clears throat> I've been doing it the same way for like five straight years now. But um, feeling good, man. Got through the deluge that was last night. Uh, my front yard was completely underwater. That was cool. Um, and, uh, man... Got my Cobra Kai brew sitting here. Eagles are beating Ole Miss right now, so ready to roll. Uh, let's keep that rolling. Uh, joining us, uh, not just because Jamie's out of town, it would have been a wonderful time to have this guy on with us anyway, but fill in that three-hole, uh, keeping the, the 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 sacred geometry going there. We, we don't need to mess up the flow. We're bringing our good friend Jason Baker to the show tonight. How are you, Mr. Baker? Shane, I, I couldn't be happier to be with you guys, and uh, what an honor it is to fill in for uh, Mr. Arrington, who is, you know, he's elite level now, was invited to the Give Wing uh, operation from a couple of weeks ago, so I just feel honored to be sitting in Jamie's seat. Well, I, I can't, uh, because the hosies will light Twitter on fire if I let that error go. Uh, <laughs> Jamie was not invited to that event. He was snuck in. Um so let's let's not think that that Jamie Arrington uh, is is really the who's who of of Southern Miss athletics. <laughs> he was snuck in in a duffel bag. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, busy last week of Golden Eagle athletics. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, but we'd be doing everybody injustice if we didn't dive straight into the big news of the weekend, which was a three-game homestand against the Louisiana Tech Bull Puppies at the Pete. Gentlemen, uh, fantastic weekend. Uh, it could have gone slightly better, but uh, against quality competition, uh, I'm pleased with the results. What you, what you say? I know all of us were talking about it in the roost, and even though we wanted a sweep, I think before the series started – all of us, if, if you could have just guaranteed us we'd be two out of three, I think most people would take that. I mean, Tech's good. You know, we like to poke a lot of fun at them, and they bring a lot of that on themselves. But, I mean, they're a really good baseball team. And, um, and of course, having the Burroughs part of it, coming back to the Pete, that, uh, that makes you want it just a little bit more. It makes you hate it a little bit more if you lose any of the games. But to get two out of three against a team like that, a high RPI team, conference wins, um, I'll take two out of three you know, every day. Well, if, if we're going to hear from anybody, we're going to hear the man that I listen, talk about games all weekend long because I watched through ESPN plus, uh, how was it from the booth? Yeah, it was, uh, as advertised, right. I thought it was a weekend that, um, uh, lived up to its billing. Um, it kind of had everything, right. It had some really, really, really quality pitching. Um, it had some big moments, Louisiana tech, you know, they sneak the game out on Saturday. They make us pay for one mistake Hunter Riggins mm -hmm. made, and the guy hit it 380-something feet out, right? So uh, a tip of a cap to them and the respect to them that 
you know, they got their opportunity, they capitalized on it. Uh, otherwise, you're probably talking about a Golden Eagle sweep. So uh, it was what I hoped. And then we kind of had, um, you know, Eagles kind of defend their their home turf on Sunday. And then you kind of had some temperatures rise a little bit with Dickerson and uh, Ryan Jennings kind of snipping at each other. Nothing major crucial, but uh, you could just tell the intensity was there on Sunday. Everyone knew what the stakes were. And, um, you know, I left that park. Sunday evening, very satisfied with uh, the result on the field for the Golden Eagles and uh, just the product and series as a whole that, you know, 16,000 plus people walked into mm-hmm. Taylor Park this weekend and and watched that series. And so that was that was really just, um, I don't know, pretty magical to be a part of it, actually. It makes me incredibly happy at this point in time uh, to be able to say that the single highest attended game and the the best attended series in Southern Miss history are not against an SEC team. Sure. I'm so glad you brought that up. I had that in my notes here, but it, it was just incredible. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, when you see the football numbers and the basketball numbers, and I guess any numbers, you think to yourself sometimes it might be a little inflated. I don't think that was the case this weekend. Every time I glance down the roost, you know, it's a sea of people. Every time I glanced into the grandstands, I, I mean, if there was empty seats, it was tough to see them, you know. Um, so it was great. It was awesome. It was just big time college baseball atmosphere. And I mean, good on Hattiesburg, man, for showing up. I mean, some, some uh, Louisiana technical fans showed up as well. They're well represented down that first baseline. But uh, um, it, it was just a super fun to, to be a part of it, really. It was great. Well, uh, <clears throat> game one, is that what we're getting to? Yeah, that's what I was okay. going to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we, there's so much went on that, I mean, you can't just skim over this series. Uh, we, we got to dive in game by game. And, uh, so let's get our hands dirty. Sure. Sure. So game one, uh, won the game eight to two, uh, out hit the Bulldogs 13 to seven. Um, like we've talked about the crowds, that was the third largest crowd ever to witness a game at Pete Taylor Park. Um, guys with multiple hits that included Gabe, uh, Dickerson, Ewing, Wilkes all had two hits apiece. El Capitan, Will McGillis with three hits uh, on a three for three night. Uh, Jonathan Fincher started for La Tech, and if I'm not mistaken, he was preseason pitcher of the year in, in Conference USA. Is that right, Bake? You think? I think so. I think yeah. that's the right. Yeah. Good player, um, and he just didn't have it. Um, that night, a sudden miss roughed him up for five runs on eight hits and just three and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, Tanner Hall, on the other hand, um, has just continued to make a name for himself. Uh, he, he, he had, uh, eight innings pitched, six hits, two runs, zero earned, zero walks, 11 Ks on the 102 pitches. Really shoved it all night long. Sutter Miss hit three home runs. The light show just never gets old. Um, Ewing, McGillis, and Peto all went yard. Not sure that the one Carson hit is even findable. Saw the kids over there looking for it for forever and ever and ever. A monster bomb, um, super fun night at the Pete. Baker. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're waiting <laughs> on my thoughts. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm way more it's, interested it's in your thoughts than mine. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's start with Tanner Hall first, guys. Uh, what what a star this guy's uh, developing into, right? What a cool story, too. This is this is one of those stories for me that I love in college athletics, right? He wasn't the incumbent Friday starter. 
He felt like he was going to get some midweek work early in this year, and he did it. And he just sort of grinded his way through those starts and put up just eye-popping numbers and basically forced his staff's hand into saying, uh, hey, look, we got to get this guy into the weekend. He's too good, right? And that's no fault to Ben Etheridge. That's no fault to anyone else who was uh, set to become a weekend guy. It's just, look, this guy's just performed admirably against anybody out there. 13 Ks, no walks against Mississippi State. You know, 11 Ks, he did it again against Tulane. His changeup is otherworldly. Yeah, um, it's gross. It's just a different kind. Of, yeah, I mean, it's just a different kind of changeup, right? Like, it's it's got so much run and so much sync to it. And um, I was discussing with a couple of guys in the office over coffee on Monday that, um, you know, it was just insane how much run this guy can have from that changeup and uh, his command and control ability I mean, he's a star. I mean, that's what he, that's what he looks like to me. That's, he looks like a front end of the rotation guy in college athletics. And, uh, and then speaking of stars, I think you're watching one develop in the hitting role in Carson Pato, mm-hmm. a redshirted freshman who's, uh, you know, been given an opportunity. Um, and he's making the most of it and, uh, he's doing it with a smile on his face. And yeah, the ball he hit Friday night, um, you know, when it first left the bat, that's an area that you, I try not to get too excited on because that's sort of an area that balls go to die in Pete Taylor Park. Just right of center is a very deep uh, area of the park. And I don't know if it's the transition of the wall or what, but you don't see a lot of balls hit out that way. And you certainly don't see a lot of balls hit into the trees out that way. <laughs> and um, Afterwards on the replay, I realized how far it had gone and, you know, Cliff Russell, I believe, made the comment on the Friday night broadcast. Like, I've been to a lot of games at Pete Taylor Park. He's a Hattiesburg kid who grew up here. And he said it might have been one of the furthest balls I've ever seen seen hit, at least to that part of the park. And, um, yeah, Peyto, of course, he, he wasn't done with his, his fireworks either the rest of the weekend either. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I think maybe what's going on is since John Adams had to move his uh, Hardy Street Hillbillies wagon <laughs> right up against the fence, it gives him a target. So, uh, yeah, fair point. Very watch cool. out, earlier out there. This, earlier this year, yeah. I said, what, what should we give those guys? I said this on a radio broadcast. What would we give the guy that ever hit the target? You know, he's got a target hanging. Right from that apparatus, like what, what should we give that guy? Um, if we, you know, if he ever hit the target chief of staff, Mary Alexander said tickets for life. I said beer for life, but I don't know which one's better. That's solid. Uh, the Durham Hmm. bulls are, are 20 minutes up the road from me. And we go to a couple of Durham bulls games every year and they've got the billboard in left field. That's got the bowl on it. And if you hit the bowl, then you get a free steak dinner. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, well, I be, you know, if, if I'm judge, if I'm picking between a steak dinner and beer for life, uh, I think I'm going the beer route. Well, uh, I'm saying yeah. maybe maybe we should we could, we should make it a little easier, and it would just be like uh, a six pack of banquet beer and a fried fish basket from John Adams. Love it, <laughs> and sign the target. Yeah, you got to sign the target for sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, so game one was awesome. Uh, we got to game two. Again, it was a great baseball game. Um, we we lost this game four to two. Um, 
I thought I thought both teams looked good. I thought that was like you know kind of high class baseball. Uh, what you expect to to see from from teams that are two of the best in the country. Southern Miss actually out hit La Tech uh, eight to six, but like Bake said earlier, they had the big one in the form of uh, Steele Netterville. He hit that home run uh, just over the left center field wall. Really, it was I mean you know Riggins just kind of made one bad pitch, right? Um, Sutter Miss scored two in the first. You know, we kind of continued that uh, that party from the night before, jumped out to an early lead, and, and led two to one when Netterville uh, went yard there in the sixth inning, I think. Uh, and that made it four to two, and that's how it ended up. But Regan's look fine, you know. Um, he's getting into the, into the meat of this uh, Division One schedule, but I think he's still holding his own. Um he he made he made that one bad pitch and they capitalized on it, but his line read six innings pitch, five hits, four runs, uh, one walk, six Ks. That's fine, you know. Um, Rhodes and Etheridge came in to to finish it out and they really kept us in it by giving up uh, nothing but zeros. But uh, give it up to Tech starter Cade Gibson. He just got it done. He gave up those two quick ones and then just settled down. Um, his line read seven innings pitch, seven hits, two runs, one walk, and nine Ks. A lot of times that's how our lines look. So you got to tip your hat to uh, to them uh, for this day. But I don't know. I mean, you know, so another thing that happened during this game, and and I don't want to gloss over it, but uh, we did have a scary moment there in the second inning when Gabe Montenegro took a fastball to the face. Bake, you had an up close and personal view of that, but from the from the roost, man. You know, there's a buzz in the in the in the stadium and um, and that happened. And he went down and was just on the ground, not moving. And you could have heard a pin drop from where I was. So take us through that from your angle. Well, um, tough. That's that's one of those situations where um, there's no training for that. There's no book to tell me how to navigate through something like that. It's really kind of feel and um you know, doing television, you kind of let it breathe. Um, I, I'll tell you, uh, on my way home that night, um, I related it to when DeAndre Brown had his injury. I was the sideline reporter at that point. Um, and I can remember hearing the Superdome go quiet. I can still close my eyes and visibly see what that situation was like then. And uh, Saturday felt the same. Um, Pete Taylor Park was as quiet as I've ever heard it. Um, I knew very quickly when Sven got out there, our certified athletic trainer for the team, Sven Pearson, when Sven got out there um, and, and called for some other help and, and called for some towels, um, I, I recognized pretty quickly that it, uh, it it wasn't your everyday routine hit by a pitch in the head region. And so um Pretty scary. And then uh, to hear words in my ear, we were only going to show it once um, to, to warn the viewers of that um, was was pretty one of those things. Uh, I don't know. It's just not one of those things I've ever been trained for. And mm-hmm. so I, I didn't know what I was fixing to see either. Um, so I didn't have like a program monitor that I could see what I was fixing to see uh, other than what I had already seen with my own two eyes at the moment. Um, I did hear it hit the helmet. And so it had hit him. His chin guard. So I did sort of know that it had deflected off and then kind of come up into his his face region, but I wasn't sure of what we would see. And um, yeah, it's just one of those moments. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of those moments um, I'll never forget as a broadcaster. I wish I could, um, but I certainly uh, now am very happy to know the result of it. Uh, 
for all intents and purposes of everything, it appears Gabe's going to be okay. Um, pretty eerie, too, later in the ball game. My medical update came from um, Jeremy McLean. I was very great. I was very thankful Jeremy came and updated me about two or three innings later um, just on Gabe's condition. I was able to relay that through the broadcast, and uh, mm-hmm. that felt good um, to be able to have Jeremy kind of tap me on the shoulder and uh, give me an update on Gabe and just kind of because it was obviously, um, and you know, and looking back on it, you, you never know how that affected the team um, in, in the game. That's not to take anything away from Louisiana Tech. I've already said they they made us pay. They made us pay for one mistake. Oh, sure, it's a good point. Um, and, you know, and Gibson, to touch on Gibson really quickly, bump like, you know, you said he settled down. That's exactly right. He got a ground, he got a double play ground ball in that first inning that probably changed the complexity of that game for him. Because if he gives up another run and it goes three nothing or uh, even a double and it goes four nothing, that game's different, man, than sure. two nothing. Um, it just has a different feel, right? So uh, kudos to him. He got his ground ball. And then uh, when they needed their clutch moment, when they needed their hit, there was, it, and it, you know, it's, it's tough to call Riggins pitch a bad pitch. It just wasn't in the location that he wanted mm-hmm. it, right? And Netterville, I mean, it was a, he's a curveball guy and he just put a curveball up and in that, Netterville appeared to be sitting back on and waiting and looking curve. So he did. Netterville really put a better swing than what Riggins put a better pitch up there. Sure, right. That kid's an absolute. That kid's an absolute animal. I mean, he's he's gonna do if if you're not exactly where you're gonna be. That's what he does to people. Uh, I mean, he's he's really good with the bat in his hands. He's an incredible athlete in the field. He's just a really good baseball player. You gotta gotta hand it to him. I think he's delayed medical school entry by a year. Isn't that what you said, (laughs) Bake? It's like, oh Jesus, this kid's amazing at everything. He's the shortstop and awesome at it. He's got a hot bat and he's going to med school. So. uh, He's one of those people that bump hates. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he walked on. That's the other cool part. Oh, is wow. Netterville walked on. So, I mean, you know, which I mean, granted, they don't get a ton of money on the baseball side of things. But uh, just to be a walk on, you know, you kind of have to have a little chip on your shoulder like that when, when he came. Yeah. That's, you know. Sometimes yeah. good hitters make better swings on that. That's well, what they did. and another thing that we don't need to look past was that uh, Blake Johnson was back, right? Old Black was back yeah. in the game. Yeah. Um, and I thought he looked fine, you know. I, I thought uh, he went 0 for 3 um, in his first game back, but um, he looked agile back there. He, he didn't seem to be favoring the hand, I didn't think, from 400 feet away out there in the roost. But um, uh, throws looked on point. Arm was there. Um, he popped up a couple times, but swung the bat hard. Didn't look like he was, you know. I, I thought it was good to see Blake uh, back in there for sure. Couldn't agree more. Took VP on Friday. Looked great on Friday. Um, I asked Scott Barry on Friday if we would see him. He felt like we would. Um, they were going to kind of just, you know, monitor how Blake felt. And obviously Blake felt well enough to go. And, man, I like him. Uh, you want to talk about a guy kind of sitting on some nerves and, and ready to get back and help this team. Look, he was hitting 385 when he got hurt. He was leading sure. this team in average. Right. When he got hurt, he swung at his first three pitches of the ball game Saturday. <laughs> he, was, he came in ready to swing the bat. And, uh, you know, I kind of got a chuckle out of it on this third swing because um, it just probably showed you how eager he was to be back playing for the black and gold. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good news. And really and truly, it's um, such a positive for the team to be able to have that um, catcher back and uh, to be able to have that platoon. However, they decide to do it going forward. 
Um, it's just going to be a luxury for us. Good for us. Right. We don't have to work poor Rodrigo like a rented mule anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, and before we get to game three, uh, you know, since uh, since Gabe did get hit with the baseball, he has tweeted out picks. Uh, yeah, he tweeted out a pic of him sitting at Fat Boys. Uh, I, I believe that was his girlfriend that tweeted that out, but I don't know yeah. their relationship. I'm making a lot of assumptions there. <laughs> well, anyway, so we saw Gabe. He's got a pretty good shiner. He's got uh, some stitches over the eye, it looks like, um, but he's good to go. He was eating some pizza, and um, that takes us to game three. Uh, game three, we've talked about the attendance uh, a couple times tonight, but 5,138 in attendance for this Sunday game. Like like Big said, brings the three day total to sixteen thousand three hundred thirteen people. It's incredible. Uh, won this one eight to nothing. Uh, had some fireworks offensively, defensively, uh, and on the mound. Scored one in the first inning, three in the second, four in the seventh. Carson Pato's turning into everybody's favorite player. It seems like, but uh, he, he he was in the leadoff spot, right? Uh, it's been a long time since we've seen since we've seen anybody else in that lead ups in a leadoff spot besides Gabe. Both Gabe's sideline, Paytel stepped in there, did fine. One for three, three runs, two RBIs, two walks, and a homer. Very productive day. Uh, Ewing also hit a bomb in the seventh that I really thought kind of put the game out of reach, even though we were winning, and I don't know if we needed it, but once that happened, I thought the game was over. Uh, that was a three-run shot there in the seventh. And I mentioned that we had fireworks on the mound, too, and that's because our boy Hurston freaking Waldrop, um, he was – he was electric as ever. Seven innings pitched, one hit, zero runs, three walks, 10 Ks on 91 pitches. Um, and Bake, again, front row seat to that thing. Uh, and, and you mentioned that. I mean, we know we know he can hit 98, 99, probably hit 100 every now and then. We know he has a devastating slider. He's got a change up to go with that. But uh, he added a new pitch, right? Evidently so. Uh, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, uh, up until uh, that broadcast, yeah, it was. Yeah, let's start with Waldrop. Um, guys, like this guy's just a different animal. First of all, the fact that he's sitting on a Sunday right now is just like that's not your guy that you're supposed to be seeing with that kind of stuff on no. Sundays. I don't, I don't, and I'm talking anywhere in the country, any league in the country. Um, you know, I would venture to say right now, and people may kill me for saying this, but outside of probably Tennessee, I don't know that there's a better pitcher on a Sunday right now. I can't find one statistically, at least. Um, and the fact that he's going to develop this third pitch, you know, I'm very blessed to have Stephen Castleman and Cliff Russell in the booth with me for these ESPN broadcasts. And um, Castleman was the first to pick it up. He was the way he was gripping the slider um, or excuse me, the splitter. Uh, then he got an out in one of the innings, I think the fourth or maybe the fifth. And it wasn't a normal looking pitch that what I've seen him throw, but I called it like it was the slider. And as we were going to break and I'm watching the replay, I kind of just left us all hanging as we went to commercial break to say, you know, I didn't, I don't think that's the slider. We'll come back and talk about it. So in, in the break, they're rolling me a replay and, we knew 100% it wasn't a slider, and I've, I've been told he doesn't throw a changeup, so it had to be the splitter. And so then we started diagnosing that this kid's developed a, a, this splitter, and, you know, when I turned to Russell and Castleman and said, okay, so if he's got a 
really lively fastball in a plus plus slider, what are we going to be talking about if he develops his third pitch? And I mean, one of them was like sheesh, and the other one was like, <laughs> you know, that was all the commentary that needed to be said at that point. And I totally agree. There's not a whole lot to be said that this kid's um, guys, he's special. And um, from everything that's been told to me, he's the hardest working kid on the team. Um, I think it, his, it's very well evident through his body type that he takes care of his body through diet workouts. They said he, he told John Cox he fell in love with the weight room this offseason. Um, so this really probably isn't too much of a surprise to those within the program that sort of knew what kind of player he could turn into be. But for those of us who follow the black and gold and then from my perspective of, you know, I've told you guys this. I've, I've told Bump this in the ruse for sure. Um, you know, the fastball is special and everybody was googly eyed over it at 98 that first opening weekend. And that was all the hype on Twitter was, um, you know, this kid's touching 98 and there's been rumors he's thrown it harder. And the first time I got to look at him, um, the 98 mile per hour fastball is cute and cool and that's really fun. but the first moment I ever saw this kid throw a slider, I thought, good gracious, like, how do you hit this guy? Mm-hmm. Um, you got to be sitting fastball and then you got to be able to make contact with it when he does throw fastball because you're not going to hit a slider. And so that's that's what sticks out to me. And now the fact that he's developing a third pitch and we have him another year, um, Hurston Waldrop's going to be special, special Sunday. Sure. Um uh, and uh, I wanted to ask you guys a couple questions. Um, so as far as we're about halfway through the season, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so as as far as uh, who is your who is your MVP so far this season, Shane? Oh man, um, that's really tough. Uh, I mean. I'd have to go with either Hall or Waldrop right now just because they've been so dominant. Uh, but if if you looked at a non-pitcher, I don't even know who that would be. So many people have come up big in so many different right. moments, uh, mm-hmm. which is a great thing that it's not just one glaring individual that's carrying the team, that it's a lot of guys that are contributing and, and coming through when we need them to. So, that's a good question. You can't throw that at me blind. I need some time to think about that. <laughs> so, Baker, you're welcome. I ran my whiskey-fueled mouth for at least a couple of minutes to give you time to process it because <laughs> Bum's just blindsidedness with big questions. Yeah. Okay, I, got, I, got, I got three more, too. Okay. All right. So if, if you ask me, the MVP, and this, this is crazy, but if you really want to know, I believe it's Rodrigo Montenegro. Mm, um, nice. So if you really think about what's incurred, I mean, Blake Johnson caught 42 games a year ago. He was the incumbent catcher for all intents and purposes from everything that I read preseason and uh, any video, video or interview that I listened to Scott Barry. Um, I think Rodrigo was going to play and I think he was going to play some, but I don't know that he was going to play this role. Right. Um And what I have found is that, you know, I think he's done very adequately as a catcher. Um, I mean, the staff has obviously put up great numbers, so he's got to be doing something right with them. And then 
Um, I find where he's he's brought a sense out of the nine hole of being able to turn this lineup over to get Gabe and Dustin and Sargent and Slade and Reese and, and you know, for that matter, Peyto and, and Danny and Will. He gives these guys another chance. He just continues to flip that lineup over. Um, the best one of the best at bats at a weekend was his double late in the game on the th- uh, in game three, where he poked two into the dugout, showing he was looking opposite field, and then he still managed to squeeze it inside the third base bag after the defense had sort of shifted that way. Um, I like him. He's a lot of grit. He's a Montenegro. He's from Guatemala. So as Will Hall says, he must be able to play <laughs> baseball. Um, in in knowing what what he's done for this team, honestly, and I know that. I know that's kind of a weird pick because he's – I don't know what he's batting. I mean, it's not batting 300, so he's in the twos. Um, he doesn't have many home runs, if any, that I recall. But I kind of think he's our MVP, at least to this moment, because if we get to June and you're hosting a regional, a lot of it's going to fall that Rodrigo Montenegro stepped in here and did an admirable job as a catcher for this ball club through the first 20-something games you could argue our toughest stretch of baseball that we'll play all year. And he had, yeah. to do it. you, uh, you know, I mean, I was sitting here fully, fully locked and loaded, ready to go with, with uh, Dustin Dickerson. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think that I've been swayed because if, if you, if he's not here, what do we do? Sarge well, back there be, for a while. Yeah, I think so. I think you know? that's what Scott Berry said was that's who it was going to be. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Okay. And, so, and even like when you take Sargent off first base, Sargent's been a really good first baseman, very good defensively for us. So, I mean, that would have been a gap, right? Like if Rodrigo doesn't step up and that's who it is, now now you're taking a a guy that's really worked on his defense at first base and would have had had to remove him off there. So, like. I don't know. That's I, I, and I wasn't trying to sway you, Bump, because I mean, Dustin, look, he's hitting the cover off of it, right? But I don't know. The more that I, as as I did get my two minutes while Shane was blabbering through whiskey, <laughs> um, I was I was able to come up with, and, and I've been asked that, so I, I, that's who I would have said was Rodrigo. Yeah. Okay. Next question, um, and I, it could be the same thing, but uh, the biggest surprise so far, the the biggest pleasant surprise so far. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be kind to our guest and I'll eat up some airtime again. Uh, biggest, uh, I, I, I'm actually, I'm going to cop out because I'm going to go with the same guy because, uh, I mean, who saw that coming? Like, like Baker said, we expected him to be the, the fill in, give Johnson a break catcher, uh, going into this season. And the fact that the guy has been the starting catcher for like 20 games in a row, uh, you know, before uh, Blake came back and has done what he's done. Uh, that's my surprise. I'm going with Peyto. Um, mm-hmm. What what a what a surprise he is. Um, you know, he he's he's the right type, boys. He's got the right kind of body, the right kind of frame. Um, he plays a position that I think he can uh, adequately sit out there and play and. Um, from the right field. And look, I, I said it in the broadcast uh, one day this week. Um, we historically, we've had some really, really, really good right fielders in front of that roost playing out there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this guy's as young as you'll find, and you know what he's doing is is pretty special. You don't find many right, you know, you don't find many redshirted freshmen that have hit a ball 432 feet in the biggest ball game of the year in a very tense moment of the year, and uh, he's done that. And and he looks and he looks like it's the moment's not too big, and the stage isn't going to be too big for him at any point in time. Where is he from? Vancouver. Okay. Uh, so, so my, you know, I, I, my biggest surprise so far is, is I'm going to go with Tanner Hall and, you know, I almost wanted to go Riggins, but I saw Riggins pitch in a couple of inter-squad games and you could just tell the dude was polished. Uh, you kind of wondered, you know, stepping into this, you know, it's kind of some, uh, you know, stepping into the deep end, if you will, uh, how, how he was going to fare, but, um, I thought he had the stuff and I thought he had the makeup. And he had done it at Delta State, which is one of the better programs in the country uh, for for quite a while. So, but but yeah, Tanner Hall, man. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, we, not that we're not loaded with pitchers. It's weird that that was one of the the uh, question marks coming into the season. Remember, <laughs> we started off the season, and it always started off with how are you going to replace all the pitchers. I kept yeah. telling everybody, well, we, I know that we're losing a lot, but. We're still loaded. <laughs> you know, we got guys. Heck, we got Chan right, right? A lefty, like, hitting 95, 96 on the regular that uh, he doesn't pitch a lot, you know? <laughs> so, but 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 my so my biggest surprise has been Tanner Hall. And and, and plus, like, going from that midweek to the Friday roll um, and just not missing a beat, man, that's that's huge. I, he's He's been an awesome surprise. You know, the other one, too, you could you could have ran with from a pitching standpoint. What about Dalton Rogers in the role that we looks great we put him in? I think he leads us in appearances. I mean, he comes in, you know, they take out Waldrop Sunday and Dalton Rogers first three pitches were 93, 94 and 92 at a guy's knees to buckle him on three pitches. Wow. Out the pin. Like, I mean, you know, the value in a guy like that uh, cannot be understated, in my opinion. Sure thing. Um, and uh, what did I else have? Okay, okay, okay. Last one. Um, trivia question. No googling. Who leads Southern Miss in stolen bases? Oh man, we steal <laughs> bases at Southern it. Miss. We don't. Know this. Not a lot. You know That's the answer? It. I think it's Peto. I will say that it's, that it's a three-player answer. Oh well, that's impossible. Peto is one of them. Peto is one of them. He has two stolen bases. There's two other guys that also have uh, two stolen bases. Dickerson is not one. So it's Peto, Wilkes, Rodrigo. Nope. Rodrigo. Nope. El Capitan and Slade Wilkes. I said I just said Wilkes. You said no. Did you? Yeah. Sorry about that. Anyway, thank you for entertaining my little questions there. But baseball's fun again. I mean, not that. Wait, I got a trivia question for you. Okay. Shane, I don't know that you should count because I said this on the air Sunday, but I'll I'll let you do it and we'll see how good you paid attention. Okay. Well, <laughs> hold on. I did not get to see the first half of the game on Sunday uh, because okay. well, Catherine and I went play. to brunch. This is this is almost unfair, but but we'll see we'll see how well you guys know. All right. Tell me either A, the last guy who batted leadoff, not named Gabe Montenegro, <laughs> or B, I'll let you give me the year that it was uh, 
that the the last time a guy didn't bat lead off for the Golden Eagles named Gabe Montenegro. Uh, uh, this one's easy because uh, well, well, it was uh, I can't believe I can't think of his name. Who was the shortstop that we had forever? Uh, am I right? Is it a shortstop? I'm not sure what he played. Let me look that up. Hold on. I mean, that's a good question. Gosh dang it. Uh, Pedro, the and the year was 2022. It was oh. Uh, I'm talking prior to Sunday. <laughs> prior you, to Sunday. That was not specified in the question, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I win. <laughs> What's the answer, Big? The answer is Brant Blaylock. I did not have that. What? And it was 2019, February 28th. 2019 was the last time someone not named Gabe Montenegro batted leadoff for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles up until Sunday. Brand let Brand. that let that sink in your mind for a moment. How good Gabe Montenegro has been for like seven years. We <laughs> got to find a way to bring him back next year. We got to find a way to bring you back next year. Well, I mean, I'm just glad that there will continue to be a Montenegro on the roster uh, because I'm I mean, almost by the time that Rodrigo leaves. Does Rodrigo have one more year or two? I know he, I think he two. Well, no, he's a he's a redshirted freshman, I believe, or a COVID oh my God. freshman. No, yeah. I think he's I think he's I want to say he's listed as a sophomore. I I think he played one year of junior. He may, he, yeah, he may not have declared his COVID year yet. Okay. So hey, if that's and look, the case, and, and, we, you know, Bake was talking about uh, how good Rodrigo has been doing, and that's also you know having to carry that name, right? That's like having Favre on the back of your jersey almost. And I mean, let me you know, say this. Yeah, I'll say this too, Bump Man. I had a great conversation. We got into it a little bit in the broadcast, um, but we got into this conversation with Cliff and Stephen about. Um, the, the sacrifice of players' parents coming to games and how many games baseball players play. And Castleman, prior, this was all prior to the broadcast. We were having this conversation. Then it kind of bled over into the broadcast. But Castleman said his parents never missed a single collegiate game of his ever wow. in four years at Southern Miss. Uh, Cliff Russell said, um, to his knowledge, he feels the same for his parents. And I know his parents, Larry and Jay, uh, that he felt like they had made, um, if not all, certainly 90 plus percent. Now, I've never met Gabe or Rodrigo's mom and dad, but to the to my eye and from what I've seen and I know who they are, um, I think they're at almost every single game. And mm-hmm. so the commitment that their parents have made to like a really cool moment, Russell explained that he actually told someone one time, uh, that was playing for Southern Miss. Like you, you'll never know what your parents are sacrificing until you get all the way done with this. Uh, and then you look back and realize the money and the hotels and the meals that they had while on the road. And um, I don't know, just really neat because as I said in the broadcast, there's not many flights from Guatemala to Hattiesburg that I'm aware of. So no. to you know go that through Dallas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. No, man, you you are you are absolutely cool right. To think about like this family and how involved they've been at Southern Miss and committed to Southern Miss is just really really cool. Well, we have to set you and Momo up for a meet and greet because that's one of the best dudes I've ever met, man. I mean, his whole family is, but one of the best. 
Well, uh, Dave is is my kind of guy. I like free swingers up at the plate. I like guys that are uber aggressive. And uh, I was watching him take BP. How about this number, too, by the way? On Friday night, you know, he had five at-bats. This is Gabe Montenegro. You know how many pitches he saw? Eleven. Twelve. He put he put two of them in play. He fouled four away. So that's six. So he saw five other balls. None were balls. All were strikes. Something Shane, you're, you're, you're raising your arms. Oh. Yeah. 10-7. Uh, so- Sorry, guys. Uh, we're easily distracted tonight. We're recording this uh, Tuesday night. It's 9 o'clock there in the Hub City, and uh, we're keeping up with the stats of the baseball game. And uh, we we just de- – uh, Danny Lynch. I almost called him DJ Lynch. Something out of the depths of my brain crawled back out there <laughs> for a second. Danny Lynch uh, hit a home run to, to uh, right center to put the Eagles up 10 to seven in the top of the was eight. It a, so. uh, was it a slam? Yeah. Uh, yes. No, oh. no, it was a three RBI. Wilkes and Sargent were on. Um, okay. Wasn't, wasn't bases loaded. Wow. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up that we're being distracted because that's happened a few times to me so far. But before we get off this baseball thing, man, I just want to mention that before tonight's game, uh, at least in three of the polls, uh, you know, we're ranked number 24 coaches, number 18 D1, number 22 Baseball America. So finally getting a little bit of love. And RPI currently sits at 25. Yeah, right Good. where we need to be. We just got to keep it rolling. Uh, I mean, that's it's uh, man, this is a strong team. This and if if they can just continue to roll and, and gain momentum over the course of the year, uh, this this could be a special squad. And uh, Barry's building or has built a whale of a program here i mean you were talking earlier about how we lose one of the best pitching staffs we've ever had basically lose the whole staff and then the next year we again have one of the best pitching staffs we've ever had and it's sure. i mean just ridiculous just guys winning back-to-back conference usa pitches of the week national players of the week just dominating and playing against good competition i mean this uh, Southern Miss has put in the effort. The, the baseball fans have been true to the, to the game and, and true to the sport at Southern Miss and supported the, the program. And, and really this, this run over the last few years is building off of all that effort put into it. And man, uh, uh Scott, Scott Barry and, and the staff are incredibly underpaid for the job they do. Uh, we're very lucky that he seems to really love coaching the Golden Eagles because, uh, every year there's some message board idiot somewhere screaming fire Scott Barry. Uh, and by the end of the season, I would he suggest just proves, that he, uh, make his way out to the roost. Yeah. Uh, the, he just proves how stupid, uh, those people are. So, uh, man, it's, it's good to be a golden Eagle fan during baseball season. Hey, so, uh, and, uh, last thing about baseball coming up, uh, yep. of course we're playing Ole Miss right now. Just took a 10 to seven lead. Hopefully we can hang on to that. We have weekend set at Charlotte this uh, this coming weekend. Charlotte is, is uh, 17 and 10, 13 and 5 at home. Uh, we have one common opponent that I saw on the schedule, and that's that was Western Kentucky. Charlotte beat them two out of three, but all the games were really close. We know we kind of handled Western uh, pretty pretty easily um, at Western. Um, they lost a game seven to five, won a game three to one, and won the other game 13 to two. Um, 
Maybe I was 13 to 12 because I said all the games were close. I could have written it down <laughs> wrong. Anyway. Um, Pull so a Shane beat, there. Yeah, I did. I did. Absolutely. Uh, they have beaten the Camel uh, Camels uh, this year, which Camels always in the regionals, it seems like. They took one game from ODU. We know what ODU's got. And most recently, um, most recently they got swept by UTSA uh, at the Bird Bath over there. Um, Nate Furman leads the, the 49ers hitting with a 404 average. Cunningham and Fisher both with seven home runs. They had 298 as a team with 37 home runs total, so they can hit it a little bit. Uh, team ERA of 4.9. Opponents only hitting 244. So 17-10 record doesn't seem um, – uh, didn't seem that fantastic, but they can play a little bit, so we got to bring it this weekend to uh, to keep it going in conference. Yeah, uh, Catherine's going to be out of town for work this weekend, and I've got Ev with me. I was considering today how it would go if I put a three-year-old in her car seat and took off to the Saturday game, uh, <laughs> how well that would work out. I mean, really, I could just iPad zombie her the entire way down there. And then she would probably sleep the way back. I may end up in Charlotte on Saturday. We'll see how brave and stupid I am. <laughs> I mean, well, did you not see the pick of where... Did you not see the pick of the baseball team? They're great babysitters. They showed up to Longleaf <laughs> Elementary after the uh, series win over Louisiana Tech. Look, somebody on that team will watch kids. Yeah. I mean, Gabe may still be out. They could hang out. She loves bananas, uh, so they'll get along. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, we may could work this out. Exactly. Um, NIL deal. Uh, you could do an NIL deal for babysitting. That's today's world of uh, <laughs> that's today's world of college athletics, isn't it? NIL a deal for babysitting somewhere. I doubt anybody in compliance listens to this program. <laughs> uh, they've probably been advised against doing so. But yeah. if if you do, could somebody contact me and see how I could set up uh, uh, a deal <laughs> for Saturday for babysitting for, like, one of the bullpen guys that isn't going to pitch? Right. Hey, I will say, if you aren't going to go to that game and don't have anything else to do, uh, if you're looking for something to do, the M Club Hall of Fame induction banquet is this weekend, fifty dollars a person, or three hundred and fifty dollars for a table of eight. It's April the eighth, six thirty p.m. at Trent Lott Center. Um, you can visit visit the M Club website to purchase tickets, and we are inducting some good ones: Austin Davis, Latrell Pollard, Gerald McGrath, Trey Sutton, and Chad Williams. Man, I, you know, if you're looking to one of these things to go to, uh. That's it. I know it's the M Club, and there's always like really, pe- really, you know, talented Golden Eagles getting inducted. Um, this is kind of an all-timer here. They obviously don't do background checks for this because <laughs> Sutton, Sutton got in. I mean, he could, I under- on, he could probably get in. Not only is the hit leader of all time, but he could probably also be nominated just from what he cooks up out there in the roost. Oh yeah, he's so pretty too. He has my favorite baseball story, one of my favorite memories of all time. I've shared it on Twitter several times, but um, he was a part of a one nothing win against Rice, one of the first wins inside Reckling Park. He hit the second pitch of the ball game out of the stadium, out of Reckling Park, for a home run, for a solo jack. I don't believe there was another hit until the seventh or eighth inning. Barry Bowden 
and Ryan Berry were dealing. Oh, wow. There wasn't another hit until like the seventh or the eighth. I think Rice got one guy on to first base off of Bowden. There were no walks in the game. And if I remember right, we played the game in an hour and 48 minutes. <laughs> and we were done. Wow. And it was, I mean, it was as good of a college baseball game and Sutton timed it. Now he short changes it now, but what I remember when the ball left the bat that day, they have a massive scoreboard in right center field. He hit it over the scoreboard and there's some oak trees and houses and it rattled around somewhere in there. It's uh, it's a memory that I'll go, I'll go to the ground with uh, that day, being able to be on the call. I was only on the call because John Cox got sick. And I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and flew into Houston from getting eliminated from the women's NIT and uh, got the opportunity to call the Friday game. And then I called the rest of the weekend alongside of John. But uh, John was sick, and I got to step in and call the game, and uh, I'll never forget it. It's a travesty that Sut got hurt and didn't get a chance at pro ball because if there was a Golden Eagle that ever deserved a shot, uh, Sutton definitely did, man. He he was the backbone of uh, a few Golden Eagle teams. And he's a huge fan of yeah. the Golden Eagles. A lot of times that doesn't happen, man. These guys graduate. This is just where they go, right? Not him. When he's in school, man, basketball, right? Didn't miss yep. anything. Still, when, he, when he's not coaching, he's, he's, a, he's in the roost all the time. Loves it. Lives it, breathes it, loves it. Hit king. Love him. How fitting that his little protege Dickerson is is now there and just picking Ooh. up right where Sut left off. Very I mean, good point, right? Coming in young and starting right away and and just being the backbone of the team. That's uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's that's a, a unique uh, connection to have there, and, and that's cool. Uh, gentlemen, I know there's not a whole lot of information out there, uh, but. We did have a spring game this past weekend. Uh, I was unable to attend because I was at my house 14 hours away. Uh, <laughs> Jason also has a child, or, or excuse me, Bump. There's two Jasons on the show tonight. Uh, Bump. All of which have kids. Yeah, has, yeah exactly. True. Has a child and uh, and uh, was, was soccering it. Uh, Baker was on a, a CIA mission in the Ukraine. Uh, I don't remember what his cover story was, but, uh, what do you guys know about what happened other than Will Hall seemed pleased? And it sounded like Ty Keys is really starting to click. Well, yeah, Ty Keys and, and also, um, I don't know, I'm drawing a blank on the other guy's name. Uh, what's the other quarterback? Wilkie. Yep. Wilkie. Her Wilkie looked great Threw a couple picks, but you can tell he can, you know, people use the term spin it a whole lot. Uh, but I think, he's, I think the kid's got a live arm. He can throw. Uh, I know the quarterbacks weren't live in the game as far as running, but um, it's nice to know that, I mean, from from what I hear, he's running two, right? Is that right, Bake? Wilkie's going to be the backup? Uh, something like that. Yeah, not, I, don't, I don't know that that's been um, I mean, declared early. yet. But yes, the season he, started tomorrow. He's so. getting plenty of reps. Yes. Yeah. They, they believe he can certainly be the backup, I believe. And, you know, we've, we've added so much to both sides of the line, specifically the defensive side of the line. Um, again, in the spring game, it's always if somebody busts through the line, you're like, yay, why did that guy get through so easy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. or, or the opposite. Uh, if you hadn't sacked anybody in a while, you're like, man, 
offensive line looks great, but why can't we get through? So I get it. Um, and I was not there, but from talking to, to everybody, I think we had flashes on both sides, offensively and defensively. Yeah, I, I got a chance. I've seen this team practice a few times through um, throughout the spring, watched them 11 on 11, good on good uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, actually. And um yeah, all of which is true. Uh, all that Bump just covered. Um, Tykes has progressed, will progress. Um, Zach Wilkie is a gunslinger. Um, never met a pass he doesn't like. Never met a coverage he doesn't think he can throw it through. Um, and that's kind of what I know about him. He's, to be honest, and Will's told me, Coach Hall's told me this, um, you know, reminds him a little of himself. That's uh, for those of us that had the pleasure of getting a seat coach when he was playing, uh, myself included. Um, boy, he could spin it, and that's kind of how Wilkie is. Um, and then you, and then you have a veteran presence in Trey Low there as well. Um, sure, so that's there's something to be said for that. Um, and then, yeah, I think this defense. I think Austin Armstrong's um, got himself some pieces. You know, I think the numbers is is something that people need to really pay attention to. We won that FIU game, if I remember right, from calling it with 62 scholarship players on the field that day. The allotted wow. amount is 85. Shut it um, down, they, FIU. Shut it down. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so um, just be low tech without a quarterback. Yeah, and just in sheer numbers, right? Just in just in the fact that they're going to have somewhere between 80 to uh, 82 to 83 kids, I think, um, on scholarship when football season rolls around um, is going to bode well for this team. I don't. I don't care. Um, how you measure it by wins and losses and so forth. Just they're going to look the part better um, because of the better bodies. Tylen Knight's a kid that stands out. Um, he's already making an impact. I watched him. Um, matter of fact, one of the 11 on 11 drills, I had a pretty fun exchange with Austin Armstrong um, where Austin played a lot of base in the very opening series of 11 on 11 at the practice I went to. Then he didn't play base for the second series and, let Tylen Knight be Tylen Knight, and he had a couple of sacks and impactful plays. So um, I think he's got some pieces. And, look, there's a lot of, like, veteran pieces that some people may say, well, I mean, those guys are on a 3-9 and nine football team. Why do we have them back? But let me tell you something, guys. Santral Latham's a heck of a linebacker. Hayes yeah. Naples can play. Swayze yeah. Bozeman was never healthy last year. He's healthy. Bozeman's back. You've got a Malik Shorts who's on the back end that's that's seen a lot of football and you know, I I believe experience at the college game is probably one of the more underrated factors of a game um, that people don't talk about. You know, everybody's enamored with the shiny new nickel, the new freshman out of that that's just been recruited. But, you know, give me a guy that's that's got some talent, but that has seen some things and, and kind of understands the game. And you can go win a lot of football games with those guys. And we're going to have some of them, a lot of them, actually, more than we had last year. So no doubt that's what I see this team. Well, unless you're Alabama and you're consistently recruiting you know, a boatload of five stars every year, your veteran guys are a huge part of your team. And we're like you said, we're just starting really to develop that. And after a year in the system, uh, Bump, are you excited? I am. Okay. Sorry, I was checking the uh, I was checking the app once more. We're up 10 to seven right now. Uh, top of the night. Our boy Peyto is at the plate, so he's got a three zero count on him as well. Um, yeah. So, 
hopefully something but good no, happens. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad that Baker brought up Tylen Knight because it seems like whether I'm hanging out with some coaches that out in the roost or talking to people that go to practice or, you know, um, the guys that they run the payboards, his name keeps popping up. Um, so can't wait to watch him play in person for sure. Heck of an athlete. Heck of an athlete. By uh, the way, while we're recording this, this, this Danny Lynch – uh, three run bomb has sent uh, my Twitter while recording this podcast into pandemonium. <laughs> the call from a couple of weeks ago, fellas. So if you see me continually glancing over, that's uh, I my phone is uh, going absolute bonkers at the moment. Compliments of Southern Miss Twitter baseball as well. Just <laughs> put the call again and put it back out there. Well, I tell you what, you, you, you had that you had that call. And when Baker Baker started to walk out to the roost after each broadcast, like 30 or 40 minutes after the game or something like that, and the last time he walked out, I think everybody's sitting in our spot. As he made the corner, they just started with the Danny, Danny. Danny. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. he had an awesome one, too, uh, at the last game with the Peyto Power. Yeah, that's uh, – I was told uh, – and and the Southern Miss Twitter baseball and I, who's a the guy who's manning those keys, is um, was my roommate on uh, women's basketball road trips. He's just a fantastic human being in Grant Key, and uh, he had used he had seen me comment the comment of Peto Power on somebody's tweet. I don't know who it was, but I was hinting that I was going to use it, and he used it in the game, unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to him that I was using it, and. Um, so then he he uh, he went and snagged it as well, and uh, it may it may slide itself in there a few more times before awesome. Carson gets out of here as a Golden Eagle. So, but the the Danny thing just happened. That wasn't that wasn't planned. That wasn't something I had in my mind that I was ever going to say. It was just sort of a spur of the moment where um, Danny Lynch sings and it's like that. And um, that Friday night against FAU, I kind of had a good. I had just one of those feelings of some Pete Taylor part magic. He was fixing to try to give us one and he gave us one and evidently he's given us another one tonight. So good for him. Yeah. We need to talk about that cat, by the way, because who was holding it hostage on Saturday? It showed up like (laughs) two hours late. Patrick made a shirt for you, cat. You could show up on time. I wish I could see the cat from, from my television booth. I would make some references to it if we could find it, but we may have to hold it up like the uh, like the Lion King movie with Simba <laughs> if uh, if he if somebody can get their hands on the rally cat. Well, we need to get John Smith just to make a cat fat head that when the cat's <laughs> been spotted, he can signal you in the booth. <laughs> Don't give him ideas. That'll be there by the uh, by the southeastern game. Sponsored oh, by goodness. Yingling, they could print yeah. it out in Yingling's print shop. I'm sure. Yeah, I'll tell you this. Ever since like that. Rally cat thing has happened. I've had so many people hit me up on Twitter saying like, dude, I can bring you some cat food. <laughs> you know. I bring it on, dude. <laughs> then you guys be kicking rats around out there. All the right? cat food scattered around. <laughs> you know, the cool thing about it is the, the players have embraced it. What was, uh, I think it was Dickerson and McGillis. Yeah. Went- Fed it before the La Tech series. Dickerson yeah. <laughs> tweeted out a picture wearing a Rally Cat t-shirt. Yeah. He got one before I did. That's, that's what's good about baseball. <laughs> Got to renegotiate my contract. Yeah, well, right. 
And the the fun thing about uh, Southern Miss is it seems like there's something new and fun and cool pops up every year uh, and just builds upon the tradition more and more. Uh, so it, it's fun to add Rally Cat to the mix. Couldn't agree more. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I guess it's time for a refresh. Uh, get a little little thump there. We're uh, to that portion of the show where uh, I just talk to you for like 20 minutes. And Jason sits back and balances his checkbook. Uh, Baker, you can take a nap. I'll, I'll wake you up. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I do want to start off with, uh, with Southern Miss Track just because they hosted the Southern Miss Invite this past Friday, April the 1st, and Saturday, April the 2nd, and had a really good weekend. Eagles won six events and had top 20 finishes in three, or had 20 top three finishes. I am on that third pour at this point in the night. <laughs> Words are hard to read. Uh, it's, let, let me restate that because I just chopped it all up. The Eagles did win six events and had 20 top three finishes. Uh, some of those Eagles, Markasha Myers won the triple jump with a jump of 42 feet, three quarters inches, <laughs> no interest. Freshman Ariana White won the javelin with a throw of 136 feet, nine inches. Uh, Kenya Seals won the women's 100 meter. Sandra Spott won the 1500 meter. Fred Mudani won the men's shot put. Uh, and the women's 4x100 team won. It did not list who uh, comprises the 4x100 team for the outdoor season. Uh, so we'll just know that the, the team won. Uh, then uh, moving down into uh, silver medal finishes, Ty Pridgen placed second in the men's javelin, also set a new personal record. Uh, Kenya Seals made another appearance here, setting uh, or winning second in the 200 meter. Trinity Benson took silver in the 400 meter in her first time running that event. Uh, Landon Chalden took second in the 400 meter hurdles. Lena May second in the 5K. And Markasha Myers again uh, in the long jump this time, placing second. Uh, some bronze finishes. Elijah Miller took third in the 100 meter and 200 meter. Taylor Harris took third in the women's 400 meter. Kate Maddox, third in uh, the 400 meter. That's that's not possible. Uh, Taylor Harris. Oh, Taylor Harris in the... Uh, yeah, I've got uh, two people placing third in the 400 meter. Uh, that's, the, that's not going to happen. Maybe they tied. I don't know. Uh, and then both four by 400 relay teams uh, got bronze. Next up for the Golden Eagles, they are the Joe May Invitational in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That'll be taking place this Saturday, April the 9th. Uh, while we've got access to Mr. Baker tonight, uh, I do want to touch on a couple of things with softball, and then I want to pick his brain about the softball team at this point in the season. Uh, lots of, of good young talent on there with, with a mix of veteran leadership. Always like talking about the softball squad. So, uh, just to throw a couple of things out there, they were off this past weekend, currently standing at 20 and 15 overall. Had a rough start in conference play, uh, at one and eight, but have really dropped some close games to some really quality teams. Uh, here in the beginning of conference play, I want to bring everybody's attention to uh, an article that I read uh, from Destiny or about Destiny Brown from the Macomb Enterprise Journal. Uh, Thomas Kinziora uh, was the, uh, the the writer on that one, but but really good piece uh, talking about her back to her history 
at, at Park Lane Academy there for her high school ball. But Destiny at this point in time in her final year of eligibility is hitting 377 with an OPS of 1211. Uh, and has been successful on all 26 of her stolen base attempts this season. Uh, those are some crazy solid numbers. Uh, yeah, Bake, which, well, besides Destiny Brown, what, what else can you tell us? Yeah, I, I can tell you this. Um, really young team, um, really talented team. Um, I believe they're a team that's got some very youthful p- uh, pieces that um, – it's a shame we're going to run out of time with D Brown and Tata Davis with Alyssa Tata Davis on this team, because this team to me from a pitching standpoint is a year away. Morgan Linestock is really, really good, but then the rest of the pitchers are all freshmen and they're just learning. I think pitching at this level is the hardest adjustment these girls have to make. Um, because, you know, when you think about it, a, a good pitcher faces a decent high school lineup, there's one to two good hitters in it, and then seven outs, right? And then you come to college, and there are no outs. You've got to find and navigate your way through that lineup. Um, so I think Brian LeVan's got uh, the right pieces in place. Uh, he's got a young freshman in Jana Lee who's going to be a two-way star. She hit a big home run in their upset win over Florida um earlier this season as well and so they've shown you glimpses right they played Alabama very tight who was uh at the time I think number one or number two in the country um they've had five of their eight conference losses by one run um and that's tough Mm. right like that's that sucks and multiple and extra innings yes correct correct and so um you know I think they're very very close I know many people will want to say well they're one and eight um, but that's that doesn't just tell the, the, the true tale. And look, um, before before I get off this podcast, I, I would strangle myself if I didn't do this. Destiny Brown is a Mount Rushmore of Southern Miss softball players in the history of this program. Um, let mm-hmm. it be said, um, I don't know what the win loss record will look like while she's here, but I don't care. Uh, she is an exceptional human being, along with Tata Davis. Um, they had full intentions of going and being humans in the real world a year ago. Brian Levan uh, worked with them, talked with them, uh, and was able to get them back. And kudos for them. They chose that uh, fifth year of, uh, or sixth year of eligibility to come back to be a part of the fifth year. Excuse me. They never actually took a redshirt. Their fifth year of eligibility. Um, and look, they are all timers, both of them for that matter. But Destiny Brown, certainly, uh, when you start the softball conversations off, um, and you begin it with Courtney Blades short, shortly after, you better be speaking about Destiny Brown and all she's done. And, um, just as, as good of a softball player as she is, as she is, she is just this amazing human, um, within that program. And, uh, yeah, she's a Mount Rushmore kid. Uh, on the Southern Miss softball program, and um, I'll, I'll go to I'll go to bat with her any day of the week. And she she does things. She made a catch last Friday, two Friday nights ago. My Friday nights running <laughs> running to each other here lately. She made a catch against UAB that uh, should have been on Sports Center, should have been top five plays of the weekend. Um, no human should travel that far and make that catch. And ironically enough, her teammates didn't react because it's something they say they watch her do every day in practice. 
So it's, it wasn't even shocking to them. And so, um, yeah, he's, they're close, Shane, to answer your question. This is a softball team. I would tell you they're close. Uh, I hate doing this. Uh, it's very Mississippi State fan of me, but they're like one year away, right? One year <laughs> away is what Mississippi State always says. But truly, <laughs> Brian LeVan's softball program is one year away. Um, and, and those freshmen won't be freshmen much longer, and they'll become sophomores. And, and you pair that with Morgan Linestock, who will be back, and they've got a real good chance. Because you win those games low scoring, right? You, you don't have to hit the softball a ton to win a lot of softball games. you got to be able to get it from point A to point B in terms of pitching. And right now they just don't have the ability to slam the door when Morgan sort of runs out of steam in the fifth and the sixth. They just don't have the ability to go to a pin to a veteran presence, um, but they will sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, we've uh, we often encourage people to go check out a softball game, but uh, I, I can't stress it enough. Uh, I mean, it's a really fun sport to watch live. It's it's fast paced. Uh, we've got a lot of young talent. I mean, the, the last recruiting class was ranked exceptionally high. I'm, I'm trying to think of, uh, we talked about it back, back when they signed, but it was like four or five players in the top 80 recruits. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, that's serious talent and we've, we've got to, uh, give those players time to, to get a little age and experience because talent's only going to take you so far. We talked about that with football. You need that battle hardness, that experience from playing other really good athletes out there on the field. Because if you've made it to the Division One level and you're playing a sport, you're talented. And so they, we just, we got to give them a little time. I don't think we're going to hear people crying for this staff's head after this season. Uh, they're, they're still new. You never know. The Internet's a weird place. People need something to bitch about on message boards. So somebody <laughs> is going to final, gentlemen, by the way, 10-7, to 7, Golden Eagles take down yes. Ole Miss and Pearl. Danny. Huge, huge. All right. Not doing uh, too, but I'll do a. What you sipping on there, Bump? It's a stubby bottle. Yes, sir. Some banquet beers. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, Shane, you're exactly right. So yeah. it's coaching staff needs time. I'm totally yeah. right here. And, so be patient. A little patience. And, uh, and to let you know about the pitching staff we were talking about, taking it back to baseball real quick. So Garrett Ramsey came in through like two plus innings, but for the last out, who'd they go to out of the pen? Landon Harper. Boy. I, I Everywhere. Said it. Guys, I'm telling you, I, I, you know, there is a ton of depth, a mm-hmm. ton of depth on that back end. They all come in. They all throw strikes. I said it Sunday. Your only two requisites to pitch in a, a Christian Ostrander bullpen is, A, you got to have a slider that is filthy, and, B, you can't walk anyone. And as long as you handle those two uh, prerequisites, uh, you can pitch for the Golden Eagles, guys. And uh, that I mean, they all have one. And Land, they, I, I'm not so sure that Landon Harper's isn't one of the better ones of of the bunch. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, that's there's some there's some tools. Look, Garrett Ramsey didn't throw all weekend against Louisiana Tech, right. not an inning. Right. I don't even know that they got him up uh, on the weekend. So that that speaks to the depth um, of this team. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fun rest of April. 
into May. It's, uh, man, again, it's good to be a Golden Eagle fan during the spring when baseball is going on. Uh, uh, we'll go throw offerings at the altar of Scott Berry later. <laughs> Keep this going. Hey, what you got? Uh, so I have to, uh, our good friend Luke Johnson from the Eagle Hour just texted <laughs> me this, but, uh, you guys check out the Southern Miss baseball Twitter right now. The game just went final seconds uh-huh. ago. Okay. <laughs> and Bake probably knows this because he knows the guy. But final 10-7, uh, Southern Miss over Ole Miss, and the and the, uh, the 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 line is Southern Miss by damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. I like it. I I like Twitter oh, pettiness. Great. Twitter pettiness is a whole lot of fun. Kudos. That's that's a solid tweet. Uh, to uh, to wrap up spring sports here, now that uh, baseball's done and we can fully focus our attention on, on, the, on the program. Uh, again, softball was off, but uh, big, big matchup against Mississippi State there in Hattiesburg on Wednesday, April the 6th at 6 o'clock. If you don't have Wednesday plans, skip skip Wednesday evening church this week. It's going to be fine. Uh, I, I talked to the man upstairs earlier. You got a hall pass. Go to the softball game. Uh, check that out. And then uh, just like the gentlemen are playing Charlotte this weekend, the ladies uh, are also playing Charlotte Friday the 8th through Sunday the 10th. Uh, beach volleyball also in action this past week. The Lady Eagles used the Southern Miss Beach Invitational number one Friday, April 1st and Saturday, April 2nd to improve their record to seven and 18, 0 and three overall. Uh, ladies won all three matches on Friday, winning five to nothing over Nichols, three to two over to Chattanooga and five to nothing over Huntingdon uh, versus Nichols on Friday. Uh, Melanie Miller, Dylan Russell took the exhibition duel 21-6, 21-7. Then a fifth flight pair, Cameron Sanchez Delgado and Reagan Sandlin won 21-9, 21-11. The number four pairing, Taylor Pierce, Kaylee Beck won 21-15, 21-16. Number three pair of Olivia Hepworth and Haley Fallon won 21-14, 21-14. Number two pair, Vanessa Hernikova and Kelly Garraway won 21-6, 21-16. And the number one pair of Breely Favre and Alexandra Chudzik won 21 to 9, 21 to 15. Versus Chattanooga, uh, Wio Meinheit and Madison Cassidy won the exhibition matches 21 17, 21 16. Uh, then our friend Valeria Siakidu and Kia Norman won 21 17, 21 15. Uh, Hernikova Garraway won 21-14, 21-14, and uh, it was also listed Falan Garraway. Maybe uh, Kelly was doing double duty. Uh, that's a lot of tennis to play, but uh, won tw- dropping the first set 20-22 and then bouncing back 20-12, Versus Huntington, the Eagles won all Huntingdon. Uh, let me enunciate. Eagles won all matches in straight sets. The first position, Favre-Chudzik pairing, won 21-8, 21-9. 
Hepworth Falan, 121.13-21.11. Siakidu, Norman, 121.15-21.11. Taylor Pierce, Kaylee Beck, 121.15-21.15. And then number five, pairing of uh, Miller and Russell, 121.13-21.12. There was also an exhibition uh, pairing there, Meinheit Cassidy, 121.13-21.12. On Saturday, the ladies dropped the first match against Spring Hill 2-3, but bounced back with a 5-0 win over Texas A&M Kingsville. Uh, The Eagles won the exhibition match uh, pair with Carmen Delgado Sanchez and Melanie Miller 21-15, 21-13 in their first time playing together. Uh, versus uh, Spring Hill, and then the number two pair, Hernikova Garraway, won 21-18, 24-22. Number three pair, Pierce Hepworth, won 21-14, 21-19. Wasn't enough to push the Lady Eagles past Spring Hill. Texas and A&M Kingsville was much more favorable to the ladies. Number five pair, Siakidu and Norman, won 21-16, 21-15. Sandlin Filon in the number four pairing dropped the first set 12-21, but bounced back 21-17, 15-7. Number three pairing of Pierce and Hepworth, won 21-11, 21-17. Number two pairing, Hernikova and Garraway. 21-23 fell in the first set, then 24-22, 15-13. Then Favre and Chudzik fell in their first set as well, 15-21, but turned around 21-18, 17-15 to complete that clean sweep of Tamu K. Uh, Southern Miss Beach Invitational number two this weekend. Uh, Friday, April the 8th, starting at 10.30, the Eagles, Lady Eagles face Louisiana Monroe, and then 4.30 Friday afternoon face Central Arkansas. Saturday, April the 9th, we'll be facing Spring Hill at 4.30, and then Tulane at 6.30. Women's tennis was in action this past week. Friday the 1st, got a 4-1 to win at La Tech, so it wasn't just the baseball Eagles that were slapping around the bull puppies. Uh, the Lady Eagles went over to <laughs> Rustonia and also handled the Lady Texters. Uh, handed, uh, and, and this is actually an accomplishment. Tech is having a very good women's tennis season uh, so far. Just their fourth loss in 20 matches and only their second home loss of the season when the Lady Eagles rolled into town. Doubles pair of Suhanna Doss and Clara Tardavell, 1-6-3. Alyssa Richter and Ibru Zainab Yazgin, 1-7-6 to secure the doubles point. Yazgin, Doss, and Burton all won their singles matches to seal the win. Maddock and Tardavell were ahead when play was halted. Saturday the 2nd, the Lady Eagles faced UAB, fell 2-4 in that one, won the doubles point but dropped the four singles matches. Tardavell Doss, 1-6-2, and Sarah Medic Monique Burton, 1-6-2 as well. Uh, to secure that doubles point. Uh, Ibrazinab Yazgin and Alyssa Richter were leading their doubles match when play was halted. Clara Tardavell was the lone singles winner, winning 7-6, 6-2. Next up for the Lady Eagles tennis team, Sunday, April the 10th, at Alabama State in Montgomery, Alabama. Men's tennis uh, this past week. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't update you on the Lady Eagles current records. Lady Eagles currently sit at 12 and 3, 2 and 1 in Conference USA play. Men's tennis fell 0 to 7 to FAU on April the 2nd. Uh, we're supposed to play Georgia Southern, 
on Sunday the 3rd, but those matches were postponed. The gentlemen's tennis uh, stands at 9-8, and 0-3 on the season. The last matches of the year before the Conference USA tournament are Sunday, April the 10th, versus New Orleans in Hattiesburg. Uh, volleyball of the indoor variety, not the sand variety, won an exhibition match against Mississippi College 5 to nothing on Monday the 4th. Uh, women's golf was not in action, but will be back this weekend, Friday the 8th through Saturday the 9th at the Jan Weaver Invitational at Miller Golf Course in Murray, Kentucky, hosted by Murray State. Uh, the men's golf was also off, but will be at the Mossy Oak Collegiate at the Mossy Oak Golf Club in West Point, Mississippi, hosted by Mississippi State on Monday the 11th through Tuesday the 12th. Uh, just last bit of little news I've got for you tonight. A couple of athletes were named to the Southern Miss Who's Who list this year. Uh, it's considered one of the highest leadership honors for Southern Miss students. You must be a senior with at least 91 credit hours have an overall GPA of 3.0 and will be graduating no later than the fall of 2022. Uh, two Lady Eagles have been recognized in that group, Tay Collum from the soccer team and Kenzie Smith from the volleyball program. So congratulations to those two ladies representing, representing the Golden Eagles as well as you possibly can. Uh, gentlemen, we've reached that point in the show tonight where nobody is currently <laughs> listening anymore because <laughs> I've been talking for 20 minutes straight. So uh, you can give some shout-outs if you'd like, if you've got some, some final thoughts, whatever you want. Um, but, again, nobody's going to hear it at this point. Yeah, I, so I want to I give a couple shout-outs, but just real quick, I wanted to update everybody. We had a couple bracket challenges with the NCAA tournament. One was with our uh, To The Top Talk uh, Discord group. Uh, Rob Knight actually won that one, edging out Marchant Kenny by 10 points. So congratulations to Rob. And with the other one, so the To The Top Talk guys had a had a match again, or had a, a tournament or whatever, uh, tournament challenge versus the uh, Buzzardry guys. Which sounds like a horrible idea because Patrick McGee's over there <laughs> that just like, does all the stats and stuff. Uh, but our good boy, I, the, the founder, the founding, the founder of the feast, uh, Jamie actually won that one. Uh, so he won the USM Podcaster Group One. Um, he had Kansas picked as the champion, and no one else did. So congrats to Jamie. Uh, he beat out Patrick McGee, which I didn't think was possible. Um, I came in third. Shane came in fourth. Ben came in fifth. Um, quick shoutouts. Shout out to Robert Wiley. Uh, he, he listens to the show. He came and uh, hung out in the roost for a little bit. Shout out to Noah Thornton, um, Dr. Thornton's son, who uh, and uh, he, he went to Ole Miss uh, and now is working up in the Pennsylvania area. Came back in town for the three-game set, and I think they went to the Ole Miss game tonight in Pearl. And um, and then uh, we mentioned them earlier, but shout out to Coach Will Hall, Coach Meyer, and Coach O'Brien. Um, all from the football team come and hang out uh, at uh, in the roost after the spring game on Saturday. So fun hanging out with those guys. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to uh, Coach Hall and the guys in the booth, including Mr. Baker here, chop it up on Sunday during the the baseball game. I could just listen to Will Hall talk all day long, though. So, uh, and I frequently do listen to Jason Baker talk for at least half the day. Uh, <laughs> if it's a Southern Miss baseball game on television or one of his many radio gigs that 
uh, he does when he's not slinging the insurance. Uh, that's, uh, you, you seem to talk to me all the time. Yeah, and uh, I'll give some shout-outs. A couple of unsung heroes for you guys of Southern Miss Athletics fans. Number one, Grant Keith. Uh, He is the uh, one of the gurus behind the Southern Miss baseball Twitter account. He's a young man who's a GA within the program uh, in athletic department at Southern Miss. Some just uber, uber talented people. Um, He may be at the top, and uh, I know that – Hopefully one day we can secure him away and, and keep him and, and be a part of us full time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, uh, yeah, he's special. He's just a cool guy. Uh, Auburn grad, we don't hold that against him. Um, but he kind of carries the chip on his shoulder, uh, that like an Auburn does, just kind of like what Southern Miss used to be like, right? Walk around with a big chip, you know, here we are and, and this is who we're going to be. And so, uh, Grant Keese. Just a great human being, great dude. And uh, if you get to uh, enjoy Southern Miss Twitter and Southern Miss Baseball Twitter, uh, nine out of ten times you're going to be enjoying it from him. So uh, shout out to him. And then there's a guy that I close my broadcast out with that uh, deserves more of a shout out than I give him uh, when wrapping up this broadcast. But my statistician is Marty Windham, um, and he is a guru. He makes – me sound so much better than I ever could possibly imagine. We have become like family, like brothers. We text every single day. Um, he can find stuff. I pride myself on my research and Marty finds stuff that I didn't even know the internet calculated. And so, um, <laughs> shout out to him. We have really bonded. Um, I'm just a big fan of his. Uh, sometimes I believe he's a big fan of mine and, um, he, he makes me feel some. Sometimes in moments where I think uh, it's not going to sound good or something else, um, he he just pumps me up. Matter of fact, he sent me a text a couple of weeks, no, a couple of days ago, yesterday, matter of fact. I'll get it right. And Marty just simply said, Bake, have you started calculating when Scott Berry will become the all-time winning as head coach? And will you be on the call? If so, have you thought about it? um, I haven't. I haven't done that kind of math yet to start looking ahead. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to do that yet, but that's the kind of guy he is. Like he's already that far ahead of me thinking about things and stuff. And um, he does it for little to no money at all. And he, he deserves more than just the, the wrap up shout out at the end of the broadcast. So shout out to Marty Windham. He is absolute dude. I don't even know that he podcasts, but I hope he does. Cause I hope we'll get to hear this. <laughs> Cause uh, he's, he's a guru. If I've ever seen one and man, he can find stuff. Uh, matter of fact, he finds it so elaborate sometimes he hands it to other people and they don't trust themselves to read it because it's so stat heavy. They just <laughs> hand it to me and say, hey, you could have to read this. So, uh, he's that good. And uh, we I consider him the best. Um, he's been hired by some professional broadcasts. Not that I'm not professional, but some of these other professional broadcasts on more professional networks um, have used him before. And uh, I, I know what they think of him. And I'm just lucky that he's a Southern Miss guy has been his entire life, and uh, I, I consider it a distinct honor to have him alongside of me for my broadcast as well. Oh, yeah. Well, we definitely appreciate the work he does. Uh, you guys are a fine broadcasting duo. Uh, you're, uh, I've said it a couple times, but you are more often than not, you are one, the, the magical voice of Juan Cox uh, floating through my, my ear holes are my connections to my beloved Golden Eagles at this point in time. Um, 
I do. Uh, I've got a couple of shout outs tonight and, and then I'll bore everybody except for like the four people that care about what I was drinking on whiskey wise. Uh, I want to give a, uh, a secretly veiled shout out to friend of the show, Duck Butter. Uh, I expect, uh, yeah, that, that, I, Bump, Bump was staring at his phone, uh, and I was like, well, we're seeing if Jason's actually paying attention at this point in time. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, no more will be said about that. Duck Butter knows who he is, and, uh, hi to you. Uh, also want to give a shout out to a great, great friend of mine. We, we, uh, became really good friends during my time working at Cisco Foods where we recruited Jamie Arrington into the cult there for for several years but uh, I want to give a shout out to my man Rick Zachary uh love you brother thinking about you uh yes just just wanted uh, to say hello and uh and love you and, and got you in my thoughts and send positive vibes and prayers to the Zachary family uh whatever your preference is um yeah, uh, tonight, uh, I stuck in the Elijah Craig family from, uh, Heaven Hill Distillery. Uh, started off with a toasted barrel, uh, deliciousness. It's, it's kind of desserty, marshmallowy, super easy drinking. Then, uh, drank a little bit of an 11 year pick from Lincoln Road Package Store. Uh, thanks, Jamie Arrington. Jason was too busy being a dad that morning to go get me a bottle, but, uh, Jamie doesn't have any kids, so he came through for me. Uh, so, uh, got into that earlier with a buddy of mine. Uh, it was tasty and, and decided that it was so good that that's what I was going to be drinking on tonight and, and pulled a couple of other Elijah Craig's to go with it. Uh, and then the last one that I'm finishing up my last couple of sips is a Carolina Whiskey Society single barrel pick that's a 10 year pick. Uh, I actually had the pleasure of being on the barrel selection team for that one. I'm pretty proud of it. It's a delicious bottle of whiskey. Um, yeah. Anybody else have anything before we uh, we we shut this this beauty of a podcast down for the evening? I'm good. All right. Well, Mr. Baker, we uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. Always a pleasure. Always add. Uh, it, it's probably some of the better episodes uh, because there's somebody on here that actually knows what they're talking about. So <laughs> we uh, we appreciate that very much. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys the listen. Uh, with that said. Southern Miss, to the top. To the top. Talk. I could play for Alabama, USC, or Notre Dame. You have lots of things to offer, but Southern Mississippi puts you all shame. I was born here in Hattiesburg, never ventured far away. When it comes to playing football, here in Eagle Heaven is where I'm going to stay. I could play for North Carolina, Ohio State, RLSU. You play a good game of football. But Southern Mississippi is a whole lot better than you. When the 
football season is over and done. The fans here in Hattiesburg will be proud of what we've done. I could play for the Georgia Bulldogs, Florida State, or Tennessee. But I chose Southern Mississippi. And right here at home is where I'll always be. I could play for Alabama, USC, or Notre Dame. You have lots of things to offer, but Southern Mississippi puts you all to shame. I could play for North Carolina, Ohio State, or LSU. You play a good game of football. But Southern Mississippi is a whole lot better than you. When the football season is over and done, all your teams with famous names will see we're number one. Ask Mississippi State. Ask Mississippi State. Call Katie Case Bailey with Dunbar Real Estate for all of your real estate needs. Katie Case Bailey, Realtor Extraordinaire. Something to show, something to list, something to sell. Call today at 601-408-9980. 